Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. Our guest this week is Lucky Nua, YouTuber and host of Mental Health Casual Podcast. Lucky stopped by to talk about his story and what led him to create his channels and explore the importance of conversation when it comes to mental health. We didn't stay on mental health the entire time, which isn't surprising, but we did cover a lot of things, including new terms like meagle and simp. And let's just say we had no clue what he was talking about. The good thing is, is he didn't judge us and it made for some big laughs. We'll be the first to say that Lucky is far from being a filthy casual. For more information on today's episode and ways to connect with Lucky, visit htcpod.com slash episodes. Yeah, I'm over here in Austin. I was originally from uh, San Jose over in the Silicon Valley, but uh, it was getting pretty expensive there. Now it's starting to get expensive here. Um, so, you know, maybe in the future sometime, maybe I'll be moving somewhere else. I really like the the Texas lifestyle. It's, it's really, uh, you know, I like how you can actually go somewhere and actually find greenery around in San Jose ever since the, it's become the Silicon Valley. A lot less, you know, my mom always talks about, oh yeah, there were orchards at one point. I couldn't imagine there being orchards there at any point in the, in, in, in the valley. So just seeing it kind of, not become the place that I grew up in is, you know, if I went back to visit right now, even after being out for about a year, I probably wouldn't recognize some of the stuff there. They're building mm-hmm. that fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. uh, it's pretty ridiculous. There's a lot of Californians moving here, especially during COVID. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was trying to get away from a lot of them and then they ended up, you know, <laughs> it ended up being a big hot spot here. So now I want to, you know, I want to try and get somewhere else, but I feel like everywhere is kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you started the trend, you and Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Just a couple of podcasters coming to yeah. Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very casual, very casual. Exactly. <laughs> what was it about mental health that you said this deserves its own channel? Um, you know, that's a good question. Funny enough, I mean, of course, you know, I listen to a little bit of your podcast. I've listened to people's podcasts whenever I'm on. But if I'm being real with you, I don't listen to mental health podcasts a whole lot unless I'm in a hole. And I understand that, right? I understand. Yeah, that. we're the same. Yeah, I understand that a lot of people aren't going to be listening to this in general, like all the time, right? Every now and then I get somebody that comments on my videos and they're just like, hey, I just found your videos. I'm in a bad place right now. I mean, do you have any, can you make a video about this? Can you make a video about that? Cool. Sounds good. You know, and maybe they just watched that one video. That's totally fine, right? But I think the the thing about mental health that I, I think a lot of people are kind of, they're kind of always thinking about the extremes, right? They're always thinking about uh, suicide, they're thinking about clinical depression, all that kind of stuff. But uh, just daily maintenance is is mental health in and of itself, right? Just telling yourself mm-hmm. to get up, telling yourself to go to the gym, you know, now I'm on, I'm on autopilot when I go to the gym now. So I remember last week, I got to the gym and I was like, crap, I didn't want to be here, but now I'm here. How did this happen? You know, I was just kind of on autopilot because I've, I've kind of put myself in that, in that kind of mindset that I have to go four times a week. And, you know, this is what makes me uh, work. You know, it's just what, what really helps me. So I feel like mental health, there, there's, there's room for everybody because at the same time, you know, I started to find when I, um, when I was hospitalized, a lot of people are like, oh, people just don't understand what I go through. People just don't understand me. You know, those people that are happy every single day, well, the thing was, as I started to talk to more and more people, you start to realize that they're not always happy. They're not always, you know, they're not always like this, just brimming with this, this confidence and all that stuff. You start to realize that there's, there's little bits of things that they have to work on as well. Same thing with physical health, right? You know, you don't just get good at, um, at a bench press just by, you know, just going to the gym once and just, 
wishing it away. You know, every now and then there's that one freak person that can do it, but you really need to really work at this. So as I started to realize that, um, that's kind of why not all my videos. Now I started doing podcasting. I want to say like early or late last year. Um, it wasn't actually where I was going to go into this. I was doing like mental illness in anime, mental illness in this, because, you know, I wanted people from those communities to see the the mental health message in a lot of these uh, these places where you may look at the main character and say, oh my God, you know, when people hear like Naruto, it's a very common anime. Um, when people hear about that, they're just like, oh, he's just this boisterous kid that does all this stuff. No, that's actually the first time I ever saw a panic attack in an anime before and it was right after i got out of the hospital from a panic attack so these anime actually carry a lot of messages in there so that's why i really wanted to bring that to the forefront but then i started messaging people on youtube other you know minor youtube channels and i was like hey do you want to talk to me do you want to talk to me and i didn't think that's what podcasting was i just didn't really realize it because i was <laughs> only doing it on youtube so i was like oh yeah i'm not doing it on anchor or spotify or anything like this so it doesn't count so but then as I started to get into it, I know that uh, people don't always want to be watching a video as well. Maybe they're running, maybe they're walking, yeah. anything like that. So uh, that's how I kind of get got into that. We did a similar thing recently with, we were doing weekly Instagram lives on Thursday mornings mm. and, you know, they're all being recorded and they are always up on your page, but we didn't have them up on an anchor or anything like that. And we were like, huh, this seems like a missed opportunity. Some people don't want to sit on Instagram and watch. Some people just want to listen on their commute or whatever. So, and like, like you just said, I, I love listening to podcasts at the gym, walking on the treadmill and stuff. And it's kind of like listening to an audiobook in a way, but mm. with multiple, I mean, it's listening to a conversation, but um, <laughs> it's very casual. So I, very, I love very it. Very casual. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's you awesome. mentioned a, a mental breakdown. Can you talk about your mental health journey a little bit? Yeah, so I've always had problems with social situations. I was actually very quiet for most of my life, even around family to the point where when I was in eighth grade, uh, I was I was accidentally put into a, the advanced drama class. You know, they're the ones that do all the, the you know, the crazy plays and stuff. And so um, I was put in there and I had to do a couple of plays and my grandma and grandpa actually came to see me. And after one of the plays, I remember my grandpa just coming up to me and he's like, I don't think I've ever heard you talk more in your whole, in my, in your, like your whole life, right? And so it kind of threw me off and I was like, I, I talk sometimes, right? And then I was always that kid that would just get, and this was before we had like, you know, cell phones to look at and all that stuff. I was always looking at paintings in people's houses, just getting lost in them. I was always kind of listening to people's conversations and figuring out, I mean, how do they talk? You know, how do they, how do people talk to each other? And just, you know, even though they don't know each other, right? And so, you know, that eventually kept following me throughout high school. And so in uh, senior year of high school, I was pretty much on top of the world. I just, uh, you know, I'd been working out for a while and then finally started seeing, it started actually showing on me. And so I, I started getting more attention from girls, got my first girlfriend at that point. Um, everything was looking up for me, but, uh, you know, I didn't really know what to do. So I wanted to go to a community college instead of going to the state college that's over there, uh, the university. And, uh, you know, I'd always had problems with my father. My father and my mother divorced around when I was five, uh, some, something like that. And my father uh, has always been very uh, emotionally abusive, but um, in the Samoan culture, it's very common for uh, corporal punishment, you know, hitting, all that kind of stuff, spanking, all that kind of stuff, yeah. And so that always left kind of a, a, an indent on me, just in, in more in my psyche, just because every time I went with him on the weekends, because he'd have me on Friday and Saturday, I knew at some point I was going to get hit. So every single time, you know, I'd be with my mom, I would just be like, I don't want to go to this guy's house, but 
you know, I have to because he's my dad, you know. Uh, so that and that's not exactly a very healthy way to think about your father, right? And right. so, yeah. And so I went through that. And so going back to when I graduated high school, I was, uh, you know, I decided to go to community college. I remember him saying to my mom, you know, they were having a conversation on the phone, and uh, you know, she was telling him, you know, the plan and everything. And he he said this one thing that kind of set me off from there. It was just kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. I had a lot of problems at that point, but. Uh, he had basically said, you know, why isn't he going to a real college? You know, why isn't he going somewhere that's actually basically, you know, just not acknowledging that, you know, I could go to community colleges and going there. Uh, so then I got into this just, I just remember being so angry just all the time. And so I got into punching walls. I still have scars on my knuckles from it. And that, this is like 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I punched not, I'm not talking about like drywall or anything like that, like brick wall, mortar wall, because oh, yeah. I also didn't want to. I had the wherewithal to realize I don't want to break pot property. I don't want to like pay for this stuff and I don't want to like hurt somebody's house. Right. But I did Yeah. Just, yeah exactly. like that's the tenderest rage I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so, I mean, I do a daily podcast now where I like go on Reddit, different mental health reddits and mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of answer things on that. And I just did today. I just did a self harm one, right. There's a self harm uh, subreddit oh, yeah. and people say the same thing. They're just like, Oh, I'm not hurting anybody. And as long as they don't know, I'm still not hurting them. Right. So that was kind of my mentality as well. Right. And so I kind of went through uh, that phase and then I started not being able to sleep well because just everything was bothering me, all this stuff that I had never dealt with. I never really thought that I had problems with my dad. I just thought he was a dick and, you know, that is what it is, right? I'm never going to be like him. And you hear that a lot. And um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But so I I just kept thinking that. And then one night, I remember I woke up at around one or two o'clock and I think I went to sleep at around 11 or something like that. I woke up and I was, I was looking around and I was just like, what is going on? Because the walls were painted red. I, I live uh, in, in the house that I lived in. It was blue walls and everything. The, the walls were painted red. They were all illuminated for some reason. They all said hopeless on, on the walls. So I was hallucinating at this point. And all of a sudden I started seeing things. I try not to get into too much detail here because I don't want to freak anybody out, but I was seeing things uh, done to me that you wouldn't want to see done to yourself in front of me. So kind of like an out-of-body experience in some ways. And you were conscious, you were awake. Yes. Yeah. That was the problem, right? I was trying to figure out, well, how am I, what is, this has to be a dream, right? But I got up and I realized, you know, my dog was there, you know, I pet, pet him a little bit and I was like, crap, what is going on? And I couldn't figure out, I was just freaking out. Right. And uh, okay. tried to pinch myself. I felt pain and everything. So I ended up just, just closing my eyes and hoping for the best and hoping that I just wake up from this. And I did. The thing was, I never really addressed it. And it never really um, got taken care of until eventually, uh, one day, I ended up having a pretty severe panic attack that just left me speechless. Like I couldn't talk anymore. I, I, just, I couldn't say anything to my mom who was about five feet away from me. And so I had to text her and I had to, you know, she said, what do you want me to do? And I just said, I just texted her, I need help. So she ended up bringing me over to the local hospital, which luckily they actually had an on, you know, on-site facility for, for mental health and everything. So um, I got put under what we call a 5150, which is a hold that the hospital can put on you, voluntary or involuntary. They can put a hold on you if you're a danger to yourself or others. And so I went through there, I got to the psych ward and I, as I started to talk to the multiple psychologists, I think I talked to about three before I actually got into the, the ward itself. I realized that my dad came up a lot more than I thought he would. You know, I, here I was thinking, oh my God, my dad has no power over me. I'm never going to be anything like him. And here I am doing everything that he did, right? I was scaring, I was intimidating people with my presence. You know, I'm 6'3", you know, at that point I was about 200 pounds, very lean and stuff. So I was very intimidating and I, you know, was punching walls. I was doing all this stuff, trying to get my, this violence out of me. 
but all it did was just fester, right? And so, you know, I went to the psych ward and I uh, got diagnosed with social anxiety, clinical depression, and mania because of the hallucinations. I was also hearing uh, voices in my head at that point, you know, also saying things were hopeless. I had another manic episode at the hospital when I got there. I was inside of the the bathroom, and I was just like, oh, my God, what's going on? I started seeing the walls again, the red walls that hopeless. I started literally seeing myself float out of my body in some ways and just being like, what is going on? And, you know, they they sedated me. Uh, voluntarily they asked if I wanted a sedative I said yes I don't want to see this anymore and you know just kind of went in uh did that for a couple days I always tell people you know for frame of reference you know if you've ever watched Dr. Drew's Celebrity Rehab that's exactly what it was like we've all had a roommate we all they're all weird I don't know why I had that sounds like a nightmare yeah yeah I had a roommate you know always slept in I don't think he he ever went to anything I uh, the room next to us had a person who was uh, detoxing from alcohol really painful event. I actually had somebody on my podcast recently that do that as well and almost died from it. But, uh, you know, went through that and came out the other side and I was like, oh, I'm ready to hit the hit the ground running, right? I'm here to I'm here to go. I'm here to do this. Uh, about like a month or two later, I ended up uh, failing my uh, my driving test, right? And I was distraught. I was so distraught that I, I told my mom, you know what, drive off without me. I'm going to walk home. It was about a five mile walk. And ended up getting home, found a bottle of brandy, drank the entire bottle of brandy. Um, I was probably uh, around 18 at this point and just ended up passing out. And I had realized, you know, and my brother ended up taking me to Denny's the next day and said, hey, you kind of just went out of the hospital acting like you didn't have any problems. You know, you, yeah. you do have a problem, right? You, you do have problems. Like, you need to address these. Um, and he kind of said something to me that my therapist also said to me that I, I kind of needed to hear, what, which was, listen, I don't care if you go to college. I don't care if you work full time at, at some retail gig. I don't care about that. I just care that you do the best for you. And I was like, oh, so I don't, you know, hearing that I didn't need to do something just made me realize, oh, I can be accepted this way. And, you know, I credit my first therapist out of the hospital for a lot of this stuff because he had dealt with social anxiety for most of his life. You know, he'd been struggling with it for 25 years. And, you know, he taught me a lot about social anxiety. Whenever you have anxiety about going somewhere, just go there, you know, unless you have a very good excuse for it, then you need to go there. Because ultimately, and you'll see this with people with social anxiety a lot, right? If they don't go somewhere, they start to regret it. They start saying sorry to people. Oh my God, I should have went. I'm so sorry, right? I've heard this a million times, right? And, you know, that's just something you kind of learn as you go along. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this YouTube channel, right? I didn't want to use my anxiety as, as an excuse for why I'm not doing this. Oh, I don't want to end up in front of people. I'll just be too anxious, right? Um, there's a lot of things that I've said on my channel where I'm just like, oh, oh my God, what in the world? <laughs> oh my God, every day. Every we day. get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. editing and I was like, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> like, <laughs> click that one, make that disappear. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Every time you edit something, and I try not to edit my videos too much, unless there's like, some type of break or something like that, where it's just a little too long. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. otherwise, I try and leave it as unedited as possible. So people hear all my weird, uh, <laughs> you know, I have all these, these things that I say, usually, whenever it comes back to me, oh, great answer. So uh, yeah, and then I say it again, the next <laughs> one, you know, I, I, I understand, I hear all those things. But since I've been able to talk more, that's how you get better at things. Yeah, right? You don't get right. better at things by not doing them, right? right so absolutely. I've been doing this. I've doing the, been doing this daily podcast thing for like two two weeks. So I do a half hour for my mental health casual and a half hour for my anime casuals, and it's been crazy how different I sound 
from now from uh then to now just from two weeks of doing it right Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden i know kind of where i want to go with the conversation i know when to flip my lid you know sometimes i get really angry on my anime casuals uh channel (laughs) and i you know i just let the you know let the beast out and just start crapping on people but you know i i, I know when to kind of flip please the- don't crap on us yeah, yeah. <laughs> only, only on my anime casuals you know there, there's some things in anime that just get me really pissed off but uh yeah that's basically that was basically a little bit of uh you know a backstory in terms of uh you know the incident and everything i love what you said though about you don't get better at things by not doing them because that's what i've noticed with my social anxiety is if i do give in to the anxiety and decide okay like maybe i will skip this one maybe i'll just stay home and and i've got these other things i could do anyways that voice kind of gets stronger whereas if i do face the fear and just go do the thing and go out i realize like oh this was really fun like that we had a great time i met this person i had this good conversation and that anxiety just kind of like goes down a level you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something that a lot of people, whenever people tell me, um, you know, how do I get motivated for this? How do I, how do you motivate yourself for videos? I don't, I do them. And then I get motivated to keep go doing them. You know, that's the thing. Um, I had a, a woman on that said this really well, uh, Tanessa Franks, she's a clinical psychologist and she, she's an expert in, so, in so, social anxiety. That's like what she bases her whole channel around her YouTube channel. And, you know, I, she says the same thing, like, you can't just wait for motivation to come to you, you really have to go do it. Same thing with the gym, right? When I told you, yeah. you know, I'm on autopilot, and I get there, I'm like, I don't want to be here. What the hell, man, but you're already there. And you can't just, to me. <laughs> yeah, you can't just walk in, you know, sign in and then just be like, all right, guys, I'll see you later. You know, it, it looks bad, right? So you already have an accountability. It thing, right? Yeah, it looks bad. You know, you just, you know, you just swipe your card and it's like, uh, you know what, never mind. Did my due diligence. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, go exactly. to the burger place across the street. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try again yeah. tomorrow yeah exactly <laughs> so where where does your motivation come from i know you said that you autopilot but even to get to autopilot to say this is important to me has to stem from somewhere mm-hmm. um hitting rock bottom i'd probably say when you have a frame of reference for where your rock bottom is mm-hmm. and this is listen this is a truth that i've found in my life and not i mean I obviously I, I don't want everybody to hit rock bottom before they figure out, you know, where it is. Of course. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to know where it is. You know, when I hit rock bottom, I have figured out there's new lows for that. Right. And I, I just realized that there's just a line that I just don't want to go past, even though I may not have hit rock bottom yet. I just don't want to go past this other line. That's just close to it because yeah. it feels terrible. Right. But once you get a frame of reference for where you don't want to be, you know where you want to go. And I always tell people this, you know, don't look at where you don't want to be. Don't look at where you don't want to go. Look at where you want to go. Because when you end up looking at where you don't want to go, you end up going there. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like Frederick Nietzsche said this, right? If uh, those who look into the abyss, the abyss looks back into you. So be careful Ooh. about that, right? And it, another part of that is also be careful fighting monsters that you don't become a monster yourself. That's something that's very common nowadays, right? We have almost no civil discourse now. So every single time somebody's like, there's injustice in the world, there's injustice in the world. And then you say, well, what is the injustice? Well, why are you asking that? You, you should be obvious. It should be obvious. You should know. You're, yeah. you're a monster. Why, why, would, why would you even ask things, right? And we're getting to a point of civil discourse where it's almost, it's not even civil discourse, right? It's just arguing. It's just fighting. And the problem is when you're, I'm not saying that there aren't injustices out in the world, but sometimes you really have to look inside yourself to make sure that you don't become the injustice that you're seeing in the world, right? So that you don't add to the injustices that are already there, you know? This is a big thing for me, right? Because 
I mean, this is a scary thought, but if you think about how little it takes to set somebody off into the world, right? I think uh, Joker said this, and I've heard this monologue many times, right? All it takes is one bad day for you to become like me. He said this to Batman, right? And I've heard this many different times. Mm. But how true is that? Because it only took one bad day for Bruce Wayne to become Batman, right? He could have gone in a very different direction if he hadn't had Alfred, you know, a very big father figure to him. He could have gone a very different way, right? There's just so many ways that could have gone. And, you know, not to get too nerdy here, but there's also an alternate universe where instead of uh, Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne, Bruce Wayne's parents dying, Bruce Wayne uh, ends up dying and his father ends up becoming Batman. His mother becomes a Joker because she couldn't handle it, right? She ended up breaking down. And so it's interesting what could happen to you if given in the right circumstances. So whenever I see somebody that is in the news, you know, um, I mean, on extreme end, right, shooters and all that kind of stuff, uh, I always think, okay, how do I not become them? You know, that's always my thought process the minute, the minute I see it. It's not, oh, shame on that person. Of course, of course, shame on that person, right? Of course, that, that what they did was wrong. But how do I not become them? Because like I said with my father, right, I ended up becoming more and more like him because I didn't think I could become like him. There's just no way I could become like him. What? How could I become like him? Once you become ignorant. I hate everything about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, once you become ignorant to everything, to all your downfalls, and, and you just focus on the outside, you forget about the, the evil that festers inside a lot. And somebody ended up saying this term. I think it was uh, Luke Roberts on my, on my channel. But he ended up saying, you know, you sometimes you got to hold up the accountability mirror. What am I doing to add to the world's misery instead of looking at the other, the, the misery outside, you know? And so that's just kind of my thoughts on, on, you know, on that whole thing. What was your first step then after your bottom to to get rid of the inner turmoil you were having? Mostly, so first I had to take accountability for for my actions. You know, I'm I'm really big into Jordan Peterson, um, Jocko yes. Willink, and all these people. You know, and you know people people kind of they they think of these people as very uh, controversial figures in a lot of senses. But I don't really see too much controversy in them. I feel like the controversy comes from, oh, you're telling me it's my fault that this, this, and this happened? No, we're saying that you're not looking into yourself at all, right? Yeah, there's no personal responsibility. Yeah, when he says clean, yeah, when he says clean your room, it doesn't mean like, oh, we clean the world, we we clean the room, we we save the world, right? Like uh, save the cheerleaders, save the world from heroes, right? Um, (laughs) It's not like that, right? It's just a starting point to get to build the momentum going in your life, and so. You know, I had to start taking accountability. You know, yes, my dad was a bad person, but, you know, what am I doing to keep that legacy going? You know, why? My name is Lucky. His name is Lucky, too. What am I doing to keep this le- bad legacy going? You know, what am I doing to, to, make, to keep this name uh, in vain, right? Because, you know, when I went to Hawaii to visit some of my relatives, a lot of them were saying, you know, oh, we know Lucky is crazy Lucky. You know, even they knew he was crazy, right? Yeah. And so what am I doing to add to this legacy? I, I want it to stop here. And so... I wasn't taking accountability for all this. I was just blaming everything on my dad or my, you know, why my mom, you know, why did you, why did you even marry my dad? You know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? I was just looking outward for, for excuses. I just was grabbing them like in desperation to kind of keep my sense of self going. But mm-hmm. once you actually realize that, that your sense of self isn't found in a lot of these outward things, you start to look inward and find out what you want. Uh, you start to realize that there's another purpose for living than just outward things. You know, you start to realize, you know, even like I do these podcasts, right? Because I actually like doing them. You know, I've, I've taken about a year off of, uh, of working right now. I saved up some money before I, I, you know, got off and, you know, it's been so fulfilling to actually to follow my dreams and do these things. Sure. I'm not getting paid or anything like that, but I have enough time to do three, three podcasts and two YouTube channels to really, 
go in. And, you know, that's kind of why I haven't really gone reverted back to that state wholeheartedly, right? Because I have my why now, you know, I have the reason why I want to live. Whenever I see these people on these Reddits and everything, typically it's like, what am I doing for society? You know, why do people even want me around? People don't even need me around. What am I doing? Then make your reason, you know? Don't, don't, yeah. yeah, make your reason. Don't just say, oh, I don't have any reason, right? Because then that just stops everything. It just yeah. says, oh, I, I wasn't born with, with a reason like these other people. You know, I remember that there was a friend of mine that was just good at everything, right? Every single time he picked up an instrument, he just played it like proficiently within two weeks it was ridiculous and it always pissed me off but you know what whenever i got through the hard work of learning my instrument you know learning trombone learning bass guitar learning guitar learning uh piano all that kind of stuff it made me realize i i didn't really care about how good he was getting i just cared about my relationship with the piano my relationship with the with these different things and so you know, I stopped comparing myself to other people in a lot of senses, right? So, you know, I can't completely get away with it. You know, we live in a social media age, so we're seeing, you know, I'm seeing The Rock, you know, kill it on social media and all that stuff. But I also realize, you know, I'm not The Rock. I don't have a gym to myself. I don't really care about getting super fit. You know, it's his job to be super fit. If The Rock is not super fit. It's really hard to, to market him in a lot of senses, right? If you think about <laughs> he's it. Like the rock. Like, yeah, he, he's <laughs> the Rock. Yeah, he's literally The Rock. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I when you start comparing yourself to these to these people, that's when things start to go wrong in your life. Because once you start using that as a barometer, it's like, oh, you don't really take into account all the different factors that may have played in their life to get there, right? Whereas Absolutely. if you yeah, whereas if you look at yourself and you're like, oh, wait, back in like two years ago or something like that, you know, I was just so socially anxious, I wouldn't even think about going on a podcast, think about talking to strangers, that think about, yeah. yeah, you know, so you have to really look at it in, the, in those ways. And then you'll start to realize there are a lot more little milestones. There are a lot more milestones in your life than you actually realize, just because you're looking at the, the big goals in your life. And you're thinking, Oh, I'm not I'm not making those, you really have to look at the little milestones in your life and really realize what you're accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's path is so unique. And you yeah. cannot compare. And that's the hardest thing, like you said, in the social media day and age to not compare. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty nearly impossible, I would say, right, you know, right now with how everything is technology wise. With you being so heavily invested in technology and what you're trying to do and create, do you take breaks and step away or do you not feel that pull to have to do that? Well, Instagram, I'm only on there pretty much to show my videos. So I'm only on there like once a week, you know, on Mondays, oh, just, great. Throw out, just to throw out my videos. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because I, I tried to get into it a little bit. Uh, if I'm being real with you, I don't really like just posting up pictures all the time and all that stuff. So I'm a little bit more of a of a Twitter guy. Like I just throw my opinions up and I don't care who sees them. And I just like leave. I, I kind of just do that. Uh, if anything, yeah, if anything, I'm oh, more, come on. Yeah, you know, well, I, I throw a lot of crap out there, so I don't exactly want to see what people are saying about it. But, uh, you know, at Very least from, irresponsible. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I'll, I could be getting canceled anytime soon. But, uh, you know, when I, I'm typically on Facebook a lot, just because that's where a lot of my family is. A lot of them are in California, especially my Samoan uh, family. And so, you know, I, I do go on there a lot and every now and then, well, you have to think about it this way, right? Typically girls are comparing looks. A lot of times guys are typically comparing status. And every time I see all these hardworking guys in my life, I'm just like, but I'm not working right now. Like I'm, I'm, I literally have the time. That's where I grab it. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) I have very, I have, no, I have hella masculine energy. I do. For as girly as I 
look like my energy is straight up dude. I'm like, let's work. Let's just do this. So that's funny. I could care yeah. less about what I look like. But yeah. I can all yeah. attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very successful women. So of course you, you kind of go into that sphere, Thank right? You. And so when you, when you think about that, whenever I go down that hole, I always have to remember, okay, well, what did I do? I got to, I got to talk to the, the, you know, I, I always try to remember the big highlights of my, my, uh, my thing, you know, I ended totally. up, you know, talking to Nadine Macaluso, you know, she was uh, originally married to the Wolf of Wall Street. She's the one that's based Whoa. off of uh, that Naomi is based off of uh, on the, in the movie. Right. And that's so, cool. yeah, I actually didn't know who she was when I first asked her to do it. I found that's so, how the best things happen. Yep. Yeah, that is how it up, happens. It's so great. Yeah, I always look up on YouTube and I kind of go down like the I go by views and I go all the way at the bottom to kind of see somebody in my subscriber count. And she was mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And then I asked her and then her um, her assistant, Clara, kind of came back to me and said, yeah, we'd love to do this and all this stuff. And then I looked at, I looked at who she was. I was like, ah, crap. you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, yeah, she's very, very oh, cool. Wow. Now she's doing a lot of now she's doing like a lot of stuff she's gonna be on the doctors pretty soon but oh, wow. um Great. so yeah it's really cool to kind of you really have to look at your life and even if you have to like scrape and pull to see what you've accomplished in your life that's cool too you know if you have to think to yourself i got out of bed in the morning that's crazy at one point in my life that would that would have actually been a pretty crazy notion because there were times that's when a I norm just, for a lot of people yeah. exactly right so you really yeah. have to look at what your your milestones are instead of saying oh, you know, this person's doing this and I'm not doing anywhere near that. You know, there's a lot of people like John Jones is around my age from the UFC, right? And he's, you know, the youngest champion in history. Well, what am I doing with my life? You can't go down that rabbit hole, right? You can't really go down that because everybody's destined to do different things. And that's why I say that suicide is never the answer because you have to realize there's a place for you on this earth somewhere, some way. You could be affecting somebody somewhere. You could be affecting somebody for the better. You know, it's all about paying it forward. And that's really what I'm trying to get people to, to realize is, hey, if I can do this mental health channel and, you know, kind of talk about all this stuff as a casual, then maybe you guys can rise above that. You know, I'm not trying to set myself as this almighty like mental health guru person or anything like that i'm just trying to say hey i'm here to have a conversation uh, you know a little shout out to your your title Thank right there you. but you know, uh, you know i'm here to have the conversation and we and cut we again seen there uh and but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know i'm really just here to talk to people you know i remember i did a i did a thing where i went on omegle and i just talked to random people who, who were willing to share their story oh, what what did you do sorry yeah, i'm old omegle <laughs> yeah right yeah omegle there you go Eagle? what the hell is that <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. For people out there that don't know, it's basically like a chat roulette type thing. Uh, just as volatile, right? You get all kinds of crazy people on there. Um, okay, but you away. know, Thanks yeah, for yeah, exactly. No meagles for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? Uh, there's a lot of them on there. Uh, but uh, you know, I just went on there. You know, you can type in your 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 interests, right? And if okay. you say like, is it like health, Clubhouse? Is it similar to that? I have no idea what that is, but I okay. assume I assume it's maybe another kind of chat room. Like, yeah, we stay away from all of it, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is I as good just, as we can do. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just kind of seen a lot of YouTubers. You know, there's like Marcus Feltry, all these like really big YouTubers that do like yeah. music on there. So I was like, oh, maybe I can just have a conversation on there. You know, obviously I asked for their permission and everything, and you know, I got to meet some cool people. I met a person who the next day was going to be going into a recovery thing for schizophrenia and alcohol mm -hmm. use. I got to meet a trans person who had dealt with, you know, living in the deep South. And, oh, wow. you know, I got to meet different people and with different viewpoints, right? I'd never really mm -hmm. talked to a trans person before. So I was a little nervous, but, you know, I decided to just 
just go with it. And afterwards, I actually had a different uh, understanding of it, you know. And that's the thing about people nowadays is it's so easy to demonize somebody who you've never talked to before. You know, if you just 100%. see if you just see people on, uh, you know, getting demonized on TV all the time, then you're just like, oh, my God, this guy is so evil. This person's so evil. This person's a racist. This person's a sexist. This person's transphobic. This person's this. All you're doing is assigning labels to them. And this is a very common strategy in during the Vietnam War, right? When you think about what they had to do to make the enemy lesser than them, they would call them animals. They'd call them anything that didn't make them human mm-hmm. to basically make it easier for them to kill them. There was a book, and I can't remember what it was called, but I had to read it in my English literature class. I remember, you know, reading it, and this soldier had killed a, a Vietnamese soldier, and he looked, he looked into his, uh, you know, pocket, and he found a picture of him and his family, and he was like, this guy had a family? You know, I'm killing a, yeah. a father. I'm a father. Like yeah. you start to realize that there's a lot more to people than just uh, than just good and evil, man. There's there's just so much more. There's not just black and white. There's the life is full of gray areas, mm-hmm. and if you don't look at them, you're gonna end up falling on one side of the spectrum and just making your choice. Yeah, one of your recent guests talked about the beauty of contrast, and I love that because it's not about black and white. It's the contrast between the two that's so beautiful. It, it helps in the healing process. I really enjoyed that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Have you guys either watched, either of you watched the show Nurse Jackie on Mm-mm. HBO? No, I don't oh, think I have. My God. It's the wife from The Sopranos and she plays this nurse and it is about that. The first few episodes are like her saving lives. She's like amazing at her job, totally on it, but she's also a drug addict and she's cheating on her husband and she's got two kids and like it just shows like the duality of who she is and like you can't hate her. Because she saves lives every day and she's an amazing person, but she's like Dexter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a Dexter fan. Yeah, no, I love Dexter. Uh, Yeah. So yeah. Wait, is it? It's coming back. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Oh, they've been talking about that for a while. I didn't know that. No, it really is. The trailer's out on Showtime and everything, and it's his reflection. He shaved his beard. I freaked out. Uh, Oh, he shaved his beard. I was really hoping we were not letting anybody (laughs) bring the beard. Not letting anybody take it from me. Yes, it's back. I don't care. It's not fake. I'm telling myself it's not fake. It's real. (laughs) I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Yeah, yeah. But it is. It's so true. We all have our light and our dark, and and we need both to to make us. You know, and that sets us on whatever path it is that that is for us to follow. So I think that's really really cool. It's crazy because it even goes the other way. Like Lucky, you were talking about how we demonize people and like can go straight to the negative. Did you guys hear about what's going on with Ellen? Like all the producers and staff and people she's worked with. Apparently, she's like a raging bitch. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you would never guess that. Didn't Barack Obama give her some award for like world peace or some type of humanitarian award or something? Yeah, yeah. And then behind the scenes, all of this is happening and. We're not, like you said, we're not all one thing. There's there's dimensions to all of us. Yeah, but that could be one person's bad day that exploded because we like to trivialize people who are in the spotlight. Like, there's so many different mm-hmm. ways that that thing could have played out. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, you can go the other way with that. We talk about demonizing people. You can end up idolizing people. That's something that's yeah. very common yes. in religion. Don't Don't worship false idols, right? And I think that's why, you know, I, I'm particularly, I, I am pretty religious, but, you know, for people that aren't religious, you know, just think about it in this sense, right? I like The Rock a lot, right? Like, he's a he's a role model for me. You know, he's someone, he's done all this great stuff. That's really cool, right? But he's not my God in my world. You know, he doesn't, I, my world doesn't just revolve around him. It, you know, I don't put him on a pedestal or anything. He's still a man with two arms, two legs. 
he had to work for it, you know, and that's the thing that we, we don't think about with a lot of these people in our lives that do these that are on these shows, right? They're playing characters, they're, they're putting themselves in front of a TV in a certain light, right? And it, it almost never surprises me when something like this comes out, right? I'm just like, well, no offense to, to her or anything. Of course she's going to be a bitch. You know, she does this show every single day for a freaking yeah. week, you know, Monday through Friday. Like, right? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, these, these, these interns she's are coming dance in. dance every day. Yeah, these, 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 these interns are coming in and just like, oh, can I get your autograph from my mom? She's a big fan, you know? Of course she's going to be a raging bitch to them yeah. at some point, yeah. right? You know, maybe yeah. not all the time. And, you know, just like- uh, But enough's saying, enough, yeah. yeah. Just like you were saying a little bit earlier, right? It could just be a bad day. What if you get her on a bad day? Everybody has a bad day at one point, right? And yeah. so, you know, it didn't really surprise me at all. Do I think any less of her? Not really. Or yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. She still yeah. did all those good things. Exactly. So you've talked about fitness a lot. How does fitness play a role in your mental health? It plays a really big role. Well, I remember I, I'm more of a gym person. I, I really can't do the home workout thing unless I had like an actual setup where I had machines. It's kind of like The Rock does, right? But I, I'm just a big workout person at the gym. Like just, it keeps me accountable. Once I get there, I actually want to put in a little bit of work because it's like, I don't want to just stay here for like 10 minutes and just drive back. That seems weird. And so, you know, I had to kind of figure out, a lot of people are wonder, are thinking about, oh, how do I end up like, I don't know, Ronnie Coleman? How do I end up like these, these big people? You should really be thinking about like, what gets you into the gym? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. you think about working out, right? For me, working out is, you know, I like lifting. Uh, I like doing a lot of reps. I like feeling like my arms are going to fall off after a workout. Like it's just pump. something that I love the pump. I love it a lot, right? And so whereas different people are going to be like, oh, I bench like 325, bro. I bench this, I do this. It's like I bench, you know, probably like 135 and I do it for like 12 reps for six sets, right? So I love I love just feeling that that connection, that mind uh, muscle connection that we get. Mm-hmm. I love time under tension. I love things like that. Whereas some people, you know, I, I see a lot of uh, a lot of the women at my gym particularly do a lot of cardio stuff, right? I do some cardio. I don't do a whole lot of it. Uh, I should probably do a little bit more. But, you know, there is a lot of different things, right? I had somebody on uh, that was into yoga. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like yoga, but I like jujitsu. You know, I like to do that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's all about trying to figure out what gets you into the gym because that's what's going to keep you in the gym. Yeah. And that's what's going to totally. make you want to keep coming back because all these people are thinking like, Oh, yeah, like, especially with with diets and stuff, they always think they have to go all the way. Now, of course, there are going to be people that are obese that really need to kind of go all the way because it's a life threatening thing. But for the majority of the population, a lot of it's just like getting little things to to work, right? I mean, the one meal a day thing worked for me because I like the feeling of feeling full. And if I just cram everything into one meal, it actually makes me feel full. I'm not one of those people that likes to just snack all the time because once I do, it ends up being a full meal each each and every time because my metabolism's, you know, always... the roof so my husband's a one meal a day guy it drives me nuts as somebody who likes to snack (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh but yeah he really benefits from it I gravitate now more towards two Mm because I started doing the intermittent fasting so it's like 12 Mm -hmm. to 8 and it's hard to eat three meals in eight hours you know you're like Mm -hmm. I've got got stuff to do (laughs) (laughs) but I have heard that an okay workout done consistently is still better than the most amazing workout done inconsistently because that's like, I'm a personal trainer. So my whole job is just getting people to be consistent and what, however that looks like if your normal is just hanging out on the couch, never working out and you want to go do yoga once a week, that's fantastic. That's progress. 
it's just about what works for each person. And that's going to be so different for everybody and for eating too. It's the same exact thing. To, to your point, right, is if, if somebody is on the extreme side, right, they're obese or something, just walking around is, is monumental for getting started in that, right? Just mm -hmm. doing some type of cardio. Um, you'd be surprised at how much you sweat when you're out of out of shape mm -hmm. and just walking around the block a couple of times, you know, just doing things like that, just starting out, you know, you don't have to start in this crazy regimen. You know, you really have to think about your own level. You have to think about it uh, in your own way, because, you know, when I first started back at the gym, right, I, I think I had like six months off at the gym when the pandemic started mm -hmm. and I tried to go in and try, I tried to go hard. I tried to, oh, no. you know, lift, <laughs> I had to try to like, I tried to lift like 50, 50 pound uh, dumbbells mm -hmm. for, my, for my bicep curls, all that stuff, things that I was doing before when I was going every day. But, you know, I realized I had to go really light. I started off with 10 pound uh, dumbbells for almost everything. Just because I had to do it. And uh, now, you know, I'm back to somewhat normal. I actually got a lot stronger than I used to be. Yeah. And, you know, I started adding things and, you know, I never used to do deadlifts. Now I do deadlifts. Good. So, so, you know, you can always, you can always add these things in as you go. But first started off, I didn't even know what triceps were back in the day. And, you know, I only knew what biceps and chest were. If that's where you need to start, that's cool. But then, you know, starting to add things as you go along. I wasn't a big leg guy. I didn't, I skipped leg day all the time, but now I do leg day very, very tough, very, very hard. And, you know, I see a lot more benefits for me uh, along the way. So those are things that you can add as you go along, but don't think you have to start, you know, when you see these, uh, when you look for an exercise routine that you have to go all the way with this, you know, 12 to 15 reps, I do, you know, 300 pound bench press, I do this, I do that, you know, just start wherever you can. And obviously, if you have shoulder problems, you know, then you have different things to, to work around. So, you know, that it's all relative to whoever's doing it. Mm -hmm. Do you listen to the, the podcast Mind Pump? Uh, I, I think I do. I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember Cause I, I listened to, I mean, a lot of different ones, but yeah. I, I think, I think, uh, that's where I got a lot of mine. Cause you know what, actually I think I do because, uh, I remember they were talking about, oh yeah, people would benefit a lot more from, you know, everyday people would benefit a lot more from, you know, three days a week, uh, full body workouts. Right. Yeah. I'm not a big full body workout person. I just don't like to do it. I like to yeah. just spend like one session just beating the crap out of one of my mu muscles and yeah. just feeling the the feeling that and that's totally cool if you do do uh, I, I totally understand the the science behind it right because mm -hmm. even if you're working out your your biceps right it still sends messages to the rest of your muscles to grow mm -hmm. uh it maybe at like a smaller rate but it still sends a message so if you're working out your whole muscle group you're gonna get a bunch of different messages to tell your muscles to grow mm -hmm. uh but i just like that pain it's just it's it's kind of my way uh it's a healthy way of self-harm and i know that's a healthy way of weird, punching right? the wall exactly, yeah. exactly right <laughs> I love feeling that way when, you know, I can't bend down to, to pet my little rat terrier or anything like that. I love the feeling of just, you know, not being able to lift up a chair because my, my arms are too, too done and everything. It's just something yeah. that, that, that motivates me and I really yeah. do love it. But, you know, everybody has to find their own why, why they want to get fit. Yeah. And what will keep them there. That's, exactly. that's the yeah. main thing. Um, how did you discover Jordan Peterson? Uh, so I, I, I kind of found him and at this point, he was kind of at the height of his popularity. Everybody mm. was kind of, everybody that I knew in, in San Jose didn't particularly like him. Uh, everybody that I talked to, at least, you know, not everybody that, not every, I'm not saying everybody from that place didn't like him, but, you know, I, a lot of people that I was talking to kind of were just like, oh, he's transphobic, he's this, he's that. Uh, once I started looking into him a lot more, I started realizing that he was filling that void for fatherlessness that a lot of people have. And he was filling mm. it for me too, because yes, he says things that, sound like oh it's just common sense of course you you don't want to lie of course you know you hear all this stuff all the time right why why would you want to lie yet here we are 
in society just lying lying our asses off half the time right <laughs> trying to put up a facade and he fills in that void of fatherlessness that I feel like a lot of people don't realize how much fatherlessness has to do with young men you know how much it hurts people one of my this is, this is kind of off topic a little bit but one of my biggest fears for you know the next you know couple of years are simps you know what simps are Mm-mm. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm about to, I'm about to show you something. I, okay. So all right, blow it up. So, here. Yeah, we're ready. so, so on, on Twitch, right. Twitch is, you know, where people, yeah. you know, stream. Yeah, stuff we, and we like do that. know Twitch. We know Twitch. Okay. So these guys on Twitch streams and YouTube, YouTube, uh, like live YouTube streaming and stuff, they basically simp for women, right? They basically put them on this pedestal and they're like, Oh my God, my queen. Oh, I can never be with you. And I, I you know, here's all my money for you, queen. Oh, do you have an OnlyFans? I know. Hold on. Let me vomit real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. that one out. yeah right and so that's the thing right if guys think that women want this because they never had a man Fuck, to tell no. them right? I'm sorry. yeah yeah they never had a guy to tell them hey you're i'm i'm i'm, I'm saying this guys this is not their their view you're a freaking loser and you need to get your stuff together okay you need to clean your room you need to you need to do these things before get you a job exactly right and so you really have to think about what you're doing. And so simps have always been on my radar because, you know, now there are such things as, since I'm big in the anime world, right? VTubers, there are these people, typically they're women, but they have this um, anime persona that they use. And they basically, it's like their voice acting through that anime persona. And you just see the anime persona the, uh, the whole time on the- Like a Snapchat anime. filter. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, okay. but, but really well done. Uh, but uh, yeah, at least- for this I'm stressed, one, right? okay. <laughs> uh, you get to you see all these guys and they're just simping for these 2D women, right? These that don't even women? exist. Yeah, exactly, right? So what you see the hell? Too. This is real? Okay. Yeah, it, uh, this is totally 100% real, right? If you look up VTubers, I swear, I swear to you, you'll find all kinds of guys from Japan and from America that are just into uh, giving all their money to these women. You know, same thing with OnlyFans. I'm in we the wrong it, business. <laughs> yeah, right. Same thing with OnlyFans, right? We call it Lonely Fans because all it is is just guys trying to give money to women to because they think they're special in these people's worlds right you really have to realize you need to take priority in your own world you can't just put somebody on this pedestal mm-hmm. so this goes back to what we were talking about with putting, putting uh, yourself on that pedestal yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. even then you know you still have to put put yourself in situations that humble you right when i was in jujitsu i remember getting tapped out many times by guys that were half my size and yeah. after a while i was just like oh I don't want to mess with people out in the streets because what if they know this shit, you know? What if they know how to, like, beat the crap out of me? So I started it started being a way for me to just get out of a fight, which is basically what martial arts is. It's basically you learn how to fight so you don't have to fight. That's mm-hmm. It sounds very... And treat everyone like a black belt. <laughs> exactly, right? But, you know, at the same time, it's it's really... You're learning it for confidence too, right? Because people yeah. that don't, you learn, you learn really quick that people that want to start fights a lot of times don't know anything about how to fight. Like 100%. they want to, they want to prove themselves out there. And so, you know, going back to Sims, you know, I, I feel like Jordan Peterson is kind of the answer to a lot of the, these fatherlessness things. Now, do I put him on, him on a pedestal? No, of course not. You know, when he had all these problems that were his health problems, his mental yeah. health problems. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas a lot of people were freaking out, like, oh, this is the end of Jordan Peterson, all this stuff. It's like, no, he's a guy that had to deal Human. with his wife going through, yeah, going through cancer. You know, to show me one person that wouldn't lose their shit during that situation, right? right? And so that's kind of what's worried me a lot. And I've asked different people a, a lot of different times, what are your worries about young men for the future? Because a lot of times they just end up taking these backwards roles and they're just like, I can never do this. I can never do that. No, you have to think about it. You can do a lot of these things, man. I'm not saying you have to like disrespect women or anything like that. I'm just saying you have to respect yourself 
just as much as you respect these women, right? You can't yeah. respect them more than you. Yeah, in, in any, your own in any, boss, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like you guys were, were about to throw up earlier, women don't like this stuff, guys. Like, stop <laughs> simping for women. Stop, stop. It's you so know. gross. So a simp is a guy who idolizes women, essentially, more than more so than himself. Exactly. And okay. I, I would I would say worshiping would be the better okay. the better okay. term there. But yes, that is exactly it. And when you lose yourself to that, I, I think it's just one of the worst things. And then you know what the worst part is? That girl typically, whenever she gets a boyfriend, her popularity drops right away because all these guys, their totally. illusion has been fractured, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like she's a hot you mean, girl. I'm not the one. Yeah, <laughs> she's a hot girl. You don't think they don't think other Joke's guys are on you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I guarantee you, most of the guys that get with that girl are not the simps in her in her Twitch. Uh, I don't think that they're. Right? Yeah, I don't. Does simp stand for something? I don't really know. I've just been I've been crapping on them so long that I think I forgot <laughs> of it. Uh, but uh, I don't know if it's like sympathizer. I, I actually don't really oh. know. Oh, that makes if sense. I, if okay. I'm being real Something with you, like I, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'll, we'll Google it afterwards. Yeah. We'll do a little fact check. That's yeah, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of want to back up off of that because I do have a question. How hard is it sharing a name with your dad when you have these feelings? Um, well, it is. It, it's pretty tough. I mean, I had been. I went on another podcast and I kind of said this, but. I remember just for the longest time, I wanted to change. So for people that don't know, obviously, they'll probably know by the description and everything. But my name is spelled L-A-K-I, right? And that's how you spell it in the Samoan. And that was actually his nickname. His actual name is Onge, O-G-E. Uh, everybody called him O-G. Uh, but the, the thing was, when I got named after him, I always thought, because I'm the only kid, and he's got, like, a lot of kids everywhere. I actually don't know how many kids he's got, okay. if I'm being real with you. But I'm the only kid that, that I know of that's been named after him. Actually, oh. named after his nickname, right? And so that always felt tough on me because I kind of look like I'm a little bit, um, there's all these things, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really didn't want to have kids for so long because I just was like, man, I don't want to do the same thing to my kids. What if I end up doing the same things? What if I end up making them just like me? And so- There's a lot of men that feel that way. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. so you start to get into this negative mindset of like, oh my God. But one of the things that really helped me a lot was this idea of like genetic plasticity, right? When you think about changing yourself can actually change your genetics a little bit, right? So you don't pass on these things. Good habits can actually change your genes to a certain level. Humans are extremely adaptable to a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. So when you actually start getting yourself to this point, you know, I guess a good example of this would be like Wim Hof, right? Somebody that's just crazy, does all these crazy things, right? The crazy breathing exercises does all this yes. crazy stuff. Every yeah. morning I do Wim Hof breathing. Yep. Yeah, it is it is gnarly when you actually get into that, you know. And I got to the point where I, I'm not quite to the 92nd mark yet of keeping the all the breath out of my lungs, yeah. but you know, it's pretty intense once you get there. And once you go through that little bit of stress, it's almost like all the stress that you had before. It's almost like you have to go through physical stress in order to get yeah. the mental stress Absolutely. off of you. you know, that's what working out really does for me. Whenever I have a terrible day, I remember I went to the gym the day after my grandmother died last year. And it was like, I just remember thinking, I don't want to go there. What if I cry? But one of my biggest things is I hate crying in front of people. It's just not my yeah. thing. Not really. Don't worry. I'm like, fine with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're big criers. We're big, big criers, criers over yeah. here. There you go. I mean, I no, think I just. No shame in crying, Lucky. No shame. I, I think I just don't like it because I sound like a dying moose. You know, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And it's really tough to like empathize with somebody that makes those type of sounds. So I always, I always try not to do it. So I, I was doing That's that. That's hilarious. 
hilarious. But I, I really didn't want to go there and just uh, cry while I'm bench pressing, right? But yeah. you know, I, I just remember, I just remember when I got in there, right? And I, I ended up doing the whole workout. I just remember thinking, wow, I just went to the gym after, you know, the day after my grandmother died. And okay, now it's time to do it. Because I was, I was planning on writing a poem. I'm a poet as well. So I wrote a poem for her on Facebook and everything. And so cried after that one. But you know, it, it's all about kind of trying to figure out what, what changes can you make to yourself? I'm, I'm actually a lot more emotional than a lot of men would, would take me for, right? Because, you know, I do raps sometimes. I do poetry. I, you know, I like to mess around with music every now and then. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm very much into the arts, right? I look at life through a lot of subjectivity, which actually can become a problem because if you don't, you know, have a foundation of objectivity, you start to float into the, the realm of uh, just everything's subjective. There's no objective truth, all that kind of stuff, which can get, get you in a lot matters. of trouble. Nothing matters, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing matters, and so why even live at that point, right? So, you know, it gets to a lot of points, but finding that balance within yourself, whatever that is, right? Since I am very emotional, I do have to bring it to some objective uh, objectivity sometimes to kind of get myself out of that realm because then you get into the the go back all the way to when I was hallucinating, right? That I was in this fantasy realm because I was always I was always imagining myself in another place. What if I could just be born again into a, like a, a Naruto realm or someplace where I actually had powers where I actually mattered, where people wanted me, that kind of thing. Instead of actually making my own reality where people want me, where people need me. Where, instead of creating your reality, you're just kind of hoping that after death happens, you can go to this heaven, you can go to. And, you know, once again, I am religious, but you only have this life to make what you can. Even if you believe in reincarnation, I had somebody on that was from the Hindu religion. It still affects you what you're going to be in the next life. So it still Absolutely. follows you along. So it's not like you just get to escape. handle your shit now if you yeah. want to get to paradise, essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, people kind of yeah. think that, you know, religion is kind of like, oh, I just need to get, I just need, I can just go to heaven. I can be with my Lord, all that stuff. But, you know, you really need to take care of your stuff here as well. Yes. There's an author named Mark Manson. He did the subtle art of not giving a fuck. He, he had a second book about hope, basically the dangers of hope and what, putting all of your effort and, and your energy into hoping for something is basically wishing you weren't where you are, you know, and taking the present moment, like hope it basically sucks the present moment away from you and puts you into the future. I loved that message. Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing message. I actually had somebody on um, Alexander Shia, who's like really big in the Christian world. He created this format called Quadrados, which is like, you know, you basically look at the, the, the four books of the, the gospel of when Jesus was raised. Uh, and he looked at it and he realized there was like a common theme in each one. And so when you look at it, a better way to describe it to maybe uh, more secular people would be the four seasons, right? So you have, you have one book that focuses on Jesus as a baby, right? But they don't actually focus on it, uh, on like the resurrection as much. Whereas you have another book that actually focuses mostly on the resurrection. He was never a baby because they didn't need that at that point, right? Um, and to get out of that realm now. So if you think about the seasons, right, they're always happening uh, no matter what. And anytime you stay in one season for too long, it has a lot of damages that can happen. But if you look at, uh, when you look at that kind of circus, that circular, uh, that kind of circular uh, kind of, uh, yes, yeah, that cycle uh, of life, right? You start to realize that, um, you know, it's exactly what we go through, right? There's winter, the depression, they have, you know, everything like that. When you go through that kind of cycle, you start to realize, oh, I'm pretty normal in a lot of the things that I do. Depression and anxiety are not bad in them in and of themselves. Depression actually helps you feel empathetic towards other people, right? Without it, you'd be a psychopath. Anxiety actually can help you a lot with 
uh, with, uh, you know, getting ready for things. Women typically have more anxiety than men because uh, when you have like a toddler that's about to stick their finger in a a light socket, you kind of need to be anxious to make sure that they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you find the the husband somewhere on the couch, just like picking his nose or something like that. Right. Um, On the toilet. Yeah. On the toilet. Yeah. Reading the magazine. (laughs) Where's dad? Yeah. Or nowadays, you know, scrolling. Scrolling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at things like that, they're, they're not bad in and of themselves. It's just when you stay in those, in those seasons, right? If you don't continue the cycle, if you don't continue it going forward, then you're just going to stay in one cycle and just be there. And then there's also spring, which is joy. If you stay in a joyous state, then that's where things like addiction come in because you want to stay in that joyous yes. state so much, right? I was, I was heavily addicted to, and I know you guys talk about it a lot, but I in particular was addicted to marijuana. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that happened was I just always wanted to be in this state where I was in constant chaos. I was in just yeah. constant this, and I was in pure bliss at this point. And then I went to alcohol and I was just in pure bliss. I was having fun. I was doing all this stuff. And if you, even if you stay in too much of a good thing could be a bad thing as well. So realizing that sadness is part of life just as much as joy is, I think is a very yeah. important part in your, in everybody's journey. That's a, that's a good thing to talk about though. Because Great thing to talk about. Yeah. Cannabis is not for everybody. Um, 100%. I want to just preface one thing too, because we do, we do a lot of advocacy work and we are big proponents in giving people options and safe access yeah. to options and not telling people what they can or cannot do for their healing. However, <laughs> with that comes addictive personalities, the numbing, the root cause, all those things play a part into that. So now go, let's continue with what Leanne was asking. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Does marijuana not work for you? So one of the very first things, so this goes back to my very first therapist, right? He was a big expert on social anxiety. And one of the things that he ended up telling me is like, hey, whatever you do, I don't care if you drink. Don't do marijuana, in particular THC, because, you know, there's CBD and THC. And THC is going to make you, like, you know, really anxious all the time. So uh, I took that advice and threw it out the window and did a lot of, you know, because I was lived in the Bay Area. That's like right. most of us, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? And so everybody was doing weed at that point. So it was hard for me to just get out of a social situation without somebody smoking a blunt in front of me. So I finally wanted to see what all the talk was about. And then I kind of did that. And then I ended up becoming a sun-up to sundowner. And kind of like we were saying earlier, I was a, I had a very addictive personality. I was doing it before work. And I was working at a job where I was at a warehouse and I drove all the machines. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. just smoking before during lunch after you not operate heavy machinery <laughs> yeah you know i was operating all the heavy machinery i was luckily there was nobody luckily there was like nobody I, I was on the freight team so that was even worse wow. you know especially when somebody was slipping indica in, in my blunt and i just be like ah, oh, what the heck man but you know you start to get to this <laughs> point where yeah you got you start to get to the point where and this is why i try not to i try to be careful with my words here because i'm not trying to sure. tell people don't do this or don't do that right i'm trying to tell you that hey if you don't feel comfortable with what you're doing then maybe stop it change maybe, it, yeah, maybe change it right listen. If, if you if you can have a scotch on a saturday and everything's cool and you still have that bottle ready for the next week that's cool that wasn't me i that thing wouldn't survive the day right mm-hmm. it wouldn't survive the day um i would go through uh i remember i went through about 80 to 120 bucks depending off i was eating edibles at that point uh a week right mm-hmm. and wow. i was working part-time for a long a lot of that so you know you have to really think about finances you know it, it, whenever, whenever i say say to people about addiction or whenever i talk about addiction you have to really realize that addiction is anything that really comes in conflict with your your way of life that comes in in, in uh, conflict of your way of being uh, and your sense of self as well right and so yeah. if all you're doing is smoking yourself away 
then mm-hmm. it's probably not good, right? Whereas I've yeah. seen people, I've seen people that uh, benefited from it greatly. You know, people from come back from war and they need something to take the edge off. And in a lot of cases, I see some people that are like, I don't mess with C- uh, with THC, but CBD is all for me. I do the oils, right. I do all this stuff. Right. There's a lot of different things out there, and there's a lot of different. And then I'm starting to hear a lot about psychedelics. I was actually, I started almost getting addicted to shrooms because anything that blows my mind, I want more of. It's just, yeah. it's just how I am. Yeah. So, but then I also hear about it helping a lot of people with trauma as well. So. You know, I'm not trying to discount any of that, but I'm just trying to say everybody's kind of like their own little like chemistry set. We all yep. have all these different chemicals inside of us. Typically, men are more addictive to things than women, right? It's just it's just kind of how a lot of this goes. But I'm not saying the women can't <laughs> be to break that stigma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you Back go. Back to that right? masculine tendency, right? Yeah, there you go, right? But and, no, I think it's really important. Like what you're saying, though, is we mm-hmm. we are all wired. We all do not need the same thing. It is not a one size fits all at, at all. Mm-hmm. And, and and the thing too is like cannabis to me was medicine mm-hmm. yeah. and my goal was to not be on medicine for my entire life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you get to the point where you're using it all the time, I think that that's when you have to take a step back and be like for certain people. Mm-hmm. When you feel like that shift of, is this too much? Is, am I doing the right thing? This isn't affecting the way I that I thought it would. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know your why back to like your, the very beginning of this conversation. Yeah. You, you need to sit with it and question it and you need to look at it because it could have just worked for you for a season. <laughs> exactly. And just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean it's bad for everybody. Correct. Just because it does work for you doesn't mean it's good for everybody. And that's where I think a lot of people, when they get in these camps, that's where it becomes really dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, it it happens all the time, right? Because anytime, like, this is the biggest problem that I see with uh, a lot of people in America today, completely hypothetical. Let's say I say one thing, okay, hey, guys, um, I'm pro-life. Oh, so you're Republican, you believe in this, 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 right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the minute they say anything, right? all of a sudden you want to assign all of the labels to them because you know exactly what now i'm not saying labels are bad actually doctors use it quite often to kind of figure out how to treat you right so mm-hmm. if they know that you're depressed and not bipolar they know what uh, how better to treat Direction. you right absolutely yeah, exactly, diagnosis right? to save lives yeah, yeah labels exactly to save lives yeah yeah and but you can also go too far with labels to the point where you take away somebody's identity you know you just absolutely. you assign their identity to them and that's i feel like a, another big problem right anytime we talk about mental health as well it starts to become, and this this is something that I had to really struggle with. I, I'm still struggling with it a lot, is anytime I feel good about my life, I start to think, wait, can I still relate to people now that I'm like, okay, and I'm, all, yeah, it's a, it sounds very backwards, right? But no, it's something, it's a really big conversation I had to have with myself because I started realizing, you know, as I say, oh, I, I have depression, I have social anxiety, I have mania. I start, once I start to get past those, I'm starting to get into this point where I don't know what to do without them. You know, they were such a big part of my life that I'm like, oh, and you know, I have a mental health channel and I'm trying to help people with mental health. But if they look at me and they say, oh, he's, you know, he doesn't have any of those things. How can he talk about that? But you know, as I'm starting to realize, I'm just starting to, to notice that that was a part of my life, you know, that I'll always have with me and I'll always mm-hmm. have the experience of, 
but it's not and the exactly lessons the, from exactly too. right it's yeah. not but it's not who i am I'm not even you know my name or anything like that i am who i am mm-hmm. and I, I once you actually take a look i feel like w- you yourself are the only person who can define who you are right as much yeah. as people want to put labels on you as much people want to say this and this about you you're the only one that can acknowledge those things as true you know mm-hmm. because as you go through life people are going to call you all types of things i've been called all types of things throughout my life i you know when i was drinking you know i was known as you know the the guy that brought the party with them uh when i stopped drinking i was kind of known as like oh dude you turned your back on the bros i was known as, as all these different things but you know i i ultimately am who i am and when i was on different things trying to escape who i was it just didn't really work with me. And as you go through your life, you're going to ask yourself that question 15 times in one month or even a day. Uh, And it's important to really look at yourself and say, wait, really, who am I? Who do I want to be if I'm not who I, if uh, if I'm not who I want to be, right? And once you put yourself in in that position, it sounds like it could be crippling, but it's actually very empowering for a lot of people because then you put the power in your hands to really mold your own destiny. Once you put your, your, your destiny in somebody else's hand, it starts to get to the point where it's like, oh, I'm just being thrown around by different people. You know, they can put whatever ingredients they want. You know, hey, yeah. if you're allergic to olives, don't put olives in there. Hey, if you're, you know, <laughs> just stop them at some point, right? You're the one who really makes your own identity in life. So yeah. uh, people out there listening, you know, you really need to think about who you really want to be and who you, uh, who you are. Mm-hmm. yeah it just becomes a destiny at that point it's it's yeah. not yours anymore exactly yeah. lucky how do you deal with criticism um well i haven't had too much of it i remember we on my anime casuals uh youtube channel we uh one of our videos got like ten thousand views because it it's, i kind of did a video about a niche thing which was a korean martial arts called uh taekyeon which isn't very well known, but it was shown in an anime. So I wanted to kind of let people know a little bit of the history about it. And okay. I got a lot of people from Korea actually commenting like, oh, you know, you, you talk about mixed martial arts a lot because that's where I came from. So I talked about some of the techniques that are similar in mixed martial arts. And one of the big comments I got was like, you know, all you do is talk about MMA, like you're some type of fanboy and all this, this, and this, right? And I could have gone on there and I could have said, hey, you know, forget you. I don't need your subscription. Get out of here. You know, I could have said a lot of different things. But what I did say to them, I said, well, Certainly, I think I could definitely see that because I was making a lot of comparisons to George Foreman, a lot of comparisons to different MMA people, DJ Dillashaw. And I could definitely see, you have to really take criticism and, you know, depending on how much you get, right? Because if you're like Jordan Peterson, you can't read all that crap. You right, know? You can't, right, you yeah. To be very, but, you know, I'm not getting all that much. So whenever I do get criticism, uh, a lot of it has actually been very constructive. And even if, if, it, if it hasn't been, parts of it is very constructive of like what they saw, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. I was actually using a lot more MMA analogies because that's where I came from, but the video was supposed to be about Taekyeon. So I I acknowledged everything that he'd said about that. Another thing is, I I feel like a lot of times people apologize way too much for how they were born, (laughs) you know? Oh, how yeah, Sorry. yeah. We over apologize all the time, so I just started laughing because that's yeah. Like, I mean, no, that, that's that's a, that's a good point too, right? Because apologies do tend to lose. It's just like inflation, right? The more you use of something, the more it is going, or the more you make of something, the less it's going to be valuable, right? The more you say sorry, when you actually say sorry for real, somebody might not seriously when you're doing things, right? Yeah. And so when you think about apologizing too, you got to think about what are you apologizing for, right? If you are, let, let's say somebody, um, you know, I've definitely gotten this before, right? Where you get called, uh, you, you know, you get called fat, you get called this, you get called that, right? I don't really apologize for any of that. I don't, I never really have. Whenever I'm talking about like mental health or anything like that, 
I don't really apologize for things unless I really have to, right? Like there was one time, the one of the last nights that I drank, I ended up making a lot of uh, women in the party feeling uncomfortable because I was, uh, me and this other guy who had just gotten back from the army, were just kind of like machoing it up the whole night. We're jujitsuing on the front lawn. We were screaming in the backyard. That's my house. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> And, you know, people weren't, people weren't cool with it. It was just, you know, we were making a lot of people feel uncomfortable. We we're just screaming at the top yeah. of our lungs at like nine o'clock at night. All Throw it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, yeah. you know, I had to answer for a lot of those things. So yes, I did apologize for that, but I also realized that apology would have been become stale if I hadn't done something about it. So that's actually when I started becoming sober. That's when I actually mm-hmm. decided, you know what, this isn't who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, times people use uh, substances as an excuse for why they do things. Oh, I was just too drunk. Oh, I was just too high. I was just too this. Well, okay, if you're like that when you, you're doing those things, why don't you stop doing those things? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the next question you really have to ask yourself. But, you know, whenever somebody does criticize me, I, I come from a philosophy background. I was a philosophy major before I did drop out, right? And that's all we did was debate about random philosophical topics. A lot of people were for and against certain things that people said because people say crazy stuff all the time in philosophy half the time you're brain dead because you're like i don't know what you're saying you're talking a different language you're talking about the thinginess of things i'm talking to you con you gotta start writing you gotta start talking uh, talking real stuff man um but you know then you start uh, getting into these very abstract things and you start arguing about these things it can be very tiring so a lot of times people would just talk about just any idea and actually just give good criticisms and everything and that's why whenever anytime i get a criticism about something oh you talk too fast you talk too much you talk too this I listen to it and I say, oh, maybe that is something I could change, you know? Yeah. It could it's be all about taking the positive. Yeah, it's all about taking the positive. And, you know, I play a lot of Xbox Live sometimes. And every, every, anytime I get like somebody's just like, oh, you suck at this, bro. You suck at this. <laughs> I never engage because then you become a, psych- a part of that cycle of hatred and, mm. and toxicity that happens. I always let them just say whatever they want and I clear it out of my history, you know? Mm. Anytime, yeah. I, anytime I have to say something that I'm just super pent up about, I'll typically just write it in a Word document and then just delete it later. Like, mm. that's usually what I do or if you guys uh, like to really see the the manifestation of it or something like that maybe you could write it on a piece of paper and then just burn it right that's mm-hmm. something that's very common too so that's usually how I deal with a lot of criticisms that I get have you forgiven your dad for everything you've been through yeah so my dad passed away in 2017 uh, mm-hmm. he passed away four days so I, my, my birthday is Christmas Eve and he, he passed away on uh, December 28th and I remember before he died, uh, I, I remember I went to his, um, I've been trying to, I'm not good, I really don't like writing. Uh, that's why I like speaking a lot. And I was trying to write this book called uh, Say I Hate You, right? And the reason why I was going to write it right, was, uh, so I got this call in San Jose from one of my cousins. I actually don't know who it is because Samoans have way too many freaking cousins and I didn't have a number. <laughs> uh, so I had no idea who the heck it was. And he just, you know, he, or he texted me at work and he said, hey, I, your dad's not looking good. Um, he had been suffering from, uh, he was put on dialysis and all this stuff later in his life. He was, he did a lot of cocaine and a lot of different drugs and just Samoans don't have the best diet in the world. So that also attributed to a lot of it. Um, and then he ended up, uh, you know, he was at a hospital about three hours away. So I drove up to Modesto and, um, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, you know what, I'm a late, I'm a late on him, man. This is my last chance to just mm-hmm. let him know. I freaking hate you. You put me through so much. Uh, if it weren't for you, this, this, and this wouldn't happen. So, as the excuses that we were talking about earlier. The whole mm-hmm. drive, I was just driving up. I was ready for that. And I got pulled into the parking lot, and I was like, all right, let's do this. His, uh, his, um, his uh, now widow, but he remarried after my, uh, my mom. And she came down to get, come get me, and you know, she brought me up. And uh, there were a couple guys there from his church. He became an elder at a church uh, later on in his life. 
and they were singing to him and kind of letting him know, you know, like, you know, we're, you know, you, you're going with God, you know, kind of just letting him know. Um, and she asked him like, Hey, you know, can you, uh, can you, can you give lucky some time with his father? And so my dad, I get there and my dad is just frail beyond belief. He has a tube down his throat so he can breathe. Um, and he, this was the weird part, right? He was exactly in the position that I always saw myself through life. Right. I could never speak up to him. I was too weak to take him on. You know, he was six feet five, he was six foot five, 280 pounds and could bench 550 pounds. There's no way I'm going to take this guy on. Um, he couldn't say anything back to me. I could say anything I wanted to him and I wouldn't have to face him the next day. Right. I knew that, but something in me told me that I just, I couldn't be like him. I couldn't let, I couldn't, because I wouldn't ever been able to take that back. Right. If I just said all this stuff to him and he had gone, you know, whatever you believe in, but if he'd gone to heaven like that, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself like that. So I ended up actually just telling him all the things that I thought he wanted to hear. Cause he obviously like, he was too weak to actually write anything on a whiteboard at that point. And I just remember saying, you know, every, like when I was walking up when I was going up the elevator, all this stuff, I was just saying in my head, say it, say, I hate you say it to this guy. And I couldn't say it to him. And I ended up just, uh, I ended up singing his favorite song, which is uh, how great thou art. Um, I ended up kind of getting, giving him all this closure because I said, you know what, dad, you never gave me any of this stuff, but I'm not you. I don't choose to, I'm not choosing to make you feel how I felt because I'm not you, you know, it's, it's almost like it's ultimate revenge, but in the, in the way you're literally just saying, it was my way of saying, I'm, I'm the new lucky now, and I'm going to break this cycle. And so I was going to say, I hear the chain breaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was the important thing. You know, if you guys ever get a chance to read, there's a book called the sunflower and it was written by a a gentleman who went through a Nazi uh, internment camp or, uh, you know, a concentration camp at that point. And he got pulled aside by a nurse and she said to him, hey, I need you really quick, right? He was a young boy at this point and he gets pulled up to this Nazi general and the general is about to die and he says, I need a Jew to forgive me for what I've done or else I can't go to heaven. And the whole story is this general telling him all of his sins and so he goes through all the sins that he's done. And the end of the story, um, I won't spoil it or anything, but is his deciding, are, am I going to forgive this guy? Am I going to lay into him? Am I going to say nothing, anything like that? And at the end, end of the story, he actually asked people like the Dalai Lama at that point to say, what would you do in my situation? Wow. And that book actually helped me a little bit in this, in this story because I didn't want to, I, I wanted him to go out, but I wanted him to know that, hey, I'm, I'm my own man now. Like, I'm not, you know, you don't control me anymore. You don't, uh, you know, sure, you have a big impact on me. And, you know, I'm going to have some nights where I don't even know why did I forgive this guy, right? You know, forgiveness is an all-encompassing thing. And sometimes you don't even know what you've forgiven somebody for, right? And you just start thinking, oh, I I forgave that person? Oh, my God. But, you know, ultimately making that first step is sometimes the hardest. And so that was kind of my way of telling him, you know, listen, this stops here. You know, we have to stop this or, or something, you know, or else we're not living our best lives. And so that was kind of uh, what that was going to be my inspiration. If I ever actually get down to writing this damn book, it's, it's really hard to keep rewriting and writing. And all Again, stuff. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> we're kindred in that, in that, that sense for sure. Thank you so yeah. much for stopping by and hanging out and talking with us today. Absolutely. Thank so, you for having so great. Me on. Where can people find you? Floor's yeah, yours. so I have uh, I have an Instagram at Mental Health Casual. Um, if you guys want uh, on that uh, on that Instagram, I also have a link tree uh, at the Casual Empire where you can check out. I have all kinds of different things. I do a podcast with my friend Paul called Casual Bros. If 
you guys aren't easily offended is, is actually very offendable. <laughs> uh, my friend Michael does a podcast called Generally Casual. Um, then there's Anime Casuals, the podcast and the YouTube channel. And the, then there's Mental Health Casuals, the podcast and the YouTube channel. So I'm in a lot of different things. I don't really go on social media a whole lot. I only do it to really uh, promote my stuff. So um, there is that, but you can always direct message me at any of those things. Or uh, if anybody ever wants to get in contact with me or have any questions, any suggestions, I do take suggestions for videos and topics. Uh, you guys can always email me at mentalhealthcasual at gmail.com. Something really easy to remember. So uh, yeah, those are typically uh, places where you can find me at. Awesome. Well, keep it casual this weekend. I know we will be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at have the combo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon. <laughs>